I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Beep, beep, all aboard the Phoenix bus. We're going to talk about the MacArthur game um, because that was what we're here to do. Um, I'm joined by Helena, Cam, Dale and Dave. Hello all. Hello, hello. How did you enjoy your trip on the bus? I thought, I thought you were beeping out some swear words. Yeah, well, it might have, uh, there were certainly some swear words that were beeped during that game. Uh, multiple. Um, let's just crack on straight into it. Is there anything positive we can say about this game that beyond what we could have hoped for? Defended well. Looked very comfortable defending. Question for you, Dale. Did we? Yes. Yes, we did. That was some hard-hitting journalism. They were missing their three largest goal threats through injury. Just And, and, and we're talking a team that didn't exactly perform well. So, I mean, I given given their position on the table, I don't think we looked that comfortable. But as you say, in, in the context of that one game, we were fine. We, we didn't really look like we were ever going to throw that away. But we also didn't look like we were going to put them to the sword either, which going into a finals run, you might have you might have hoped uh, to see that, given that might inspire some confidence of how we'll go in the finals. But instead, we saw us, as we kind of predicted a bit last week, limp into the into the top six. Elena, you look like you have opinions on your mind. I mean, I consider the positives from this game that we won and then it ended. Nice. Um, oh, it was nice to see uh, Oscar Zawada um, pick up another goal. Um, uh, I've got to say... Only one. <laughs> he only does one. Doesn't one at a time. We know this, and that's fine by my... Um, one thing that I um I really write about him is he's consistent, right? For a striker, that's great. He doesn't he doesn't I know, but would his... it kill him to get a brace? I, I think that there are other people in that in that attacking third that probably should be carrying a little more weight rather than Zawada doing it all. I, I sure. I'm I'm gonna jump on that bandwagon and say I'm, I'm throwing some shade at a lot more players than Oscar Zavada uh, for not scoring before I throw any at him for not getting a brace. What I would say is the beauty of being a football fan is that you kind of have unlimited amounts of criticism that you can dole out. And whilst I entirely agree that the rest of the attack could try like finding the white netty thing at the end of the field that is the goal, it is still interesting to me that a player who is capable of consistently scoring in back-to-back games will miss guilt-head chances once he's got one goal in a game. It's just an interesting fact of him as a player. But yes, someone else score, sure. Not mutually exclusive. I, I did read in a Stuff article, so take it as you will, um, that they were saying that the most the, the most goals he's gotten in a season, six. Um, so to score 15, is it's a good turnaround. Interesting piece of scouting that, eh? Looking at a dude that's top season is six, but I mean, well, if you look at his skill set, it, he's got he's a very good all round striker. I mean, he's got a lot of um, skills in his. If we look, team. if we look at what um, Chief was saying the other day, th- with their you know breaking down into the bits they need and the of the skills and the individual player, he he basically is the perfect fit. Obviously, we're lacking those goals, but his you know, his all round skills and. Uh, tr- attributes are exactly what we needed for the style of play that Ufi was looking at. It just, obviously, it worked. Yeah, and I think uh, Dale actually did this research well over, well, it, must, it must be at least six months ago when we first signed him, um, where he said that in the Polish top league, he um, scored a goal every 275 minutes, um, which if you average that out across a season, is actually a 10-goal season. So he has still outperformed that, but his... Previous stats were kind of sullied a little by the fact he had a lot of performances off the bench, you know, last 15, 20 minutes, etc., um, and was still scoring some, but he wasn't exactly prolific prior to coming here. So 
if you if you look at the stats, you expected him to give out 10, and he's gone and got a hell of a lot more than that. So he has still outperformed, and I think you could put that down to um, the good scouting and, and getting a player that fits into the role we wanted him to, to play. And, and one goal every three games is actually quite a good return. Like, it's yeah, not exactly. it's not EPL-level top striker, but there's nothing to be sneezed at, and any professional striker would be quite happy with that. Yeah, you'd be very happy in the A-League in particular to pick up a 10-goal-a-season striker. If you had two of them, great. There's there's your goals for the season largely sorted, right? Interesting um, stat that you brought up, Dave, that he, he was presumably coming off the bench. When we've seen him in this season, uh, his scoring... Um, his scoring has mainly been at the very beginning of the first half, um, so it just it almost feels like they just weren't weren't getting him at the right end of right end of the game. Well, or or you could argue he's got a good half hour in him and then goes off the boil, and it doesn't really matter where that half hour is played. It could be the first half hour or thirty minutes at the end of the game. I'm not I'm not saying I think he's lazy because I don't, I don't think he is, but. His shooting doesn't seem to get better as the game wears on, that's for sure. If you know he's going to score in a 15-minute span, then, yeah, give him that 15 minutes at the end when, you, when you're chasing a game. That's actually clever. Or, or again, it's that the Phoenix game style this season has, to been, to play, has been to play well for half an hour and get nothing or maybe one goal and then do whatever the hell the rest of it is. Yes. Is it? 15 minutes or half an hour or until they get that first goal because that seems what it almost seems like that's what happens a lot of the time we get that first goal we get another five or ten minutes in and then it's like oh how do we go on from here back five with wing backs yeah um so we saw a lot of this uh parking the bus uh in this game um did we uh, i mean credit where credit's due they tried to park the bus and they did it successfully um is it is it anything more than that? Did did we see anything in defence that made us think, you know what, against Adelaide, we're not going to concede five this time? My read of it was, not, I mean, they were parking the bus, but my read of why they were doing it is because I think after the run of games that they've had, there was an extent to which they needed to like stop the bleeding mm. and triage that a little bit. Because, like, I mean, goal scoring is one thing, but if you go to Adelaide and defend like they've been defending, they were going to get flogged. Yeah, just destroyed. So I think, like, I think it probably was a mindset going into the game that let's just do this thing right because they did look pretty like focused on what they were doing. I thought there's quite a few times that you heard someone scream on the sideline, "Shape, shape, think about shape." So that gives me some hope. Very, very low level hope, but. It's some nice shade uh, thrown against the MacArthur um, fans, by the way, for being able to hear someone yelling uh, instructions over the uh, crowd. Yeah, I'm going to slightly disagree. And I, I watched this on replay. So again, I, I have the context of the, the build-up of angst is probably not so much. I I feel like I don't think we, we park the bus. I, I think it's quite easy to sort of default to that if you're not pressing high. Um, and we don't press high. and that's fine, but I don't think we necessarily part the bus. Like they had lots of ball, but it was you know middle third. They couldn't get into our box, and they resorted to crosses in and long shots that were very low chance opportunities. Yeah, we didn't exactly play on the count until kind of the last ten minutes. Really, um, we let them have the ball and picked our moments to to try pick them off. Um, and defended our 18-yard box with relative ease. Like I think we probably had the four or five best chances in the game. Um, to be fair, they they didn't really create too many too many challenging uh, chances at, at all. And but I mean, we did we did move to a five-four-one about you know two, two thirds of the way through the game. But that's when they had pushed more players forward. And I think you know that's kind of a reaction to numbers in the in the in our box and and wanted to have. Yeah, numbering up for that one for one, as opposed to any kind of it was a reaction to their decision rather than our own decision to to defend with an extra player. So, Dale, you're calling it more defending deep rather than parking the bus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I don't think our team's very well known for you know pressing high uh, and trying to win the ball up high. Like, I don't think we've really done that many times at all. You know. He got out. He got, we got into our, you know, you know, two backs of four, and Zawada and ball up top, or Zawada and Costa, or whoever it was, 
um, and just had a very solid structure, kept it very, you know, professional. And, and as soon as we went one up, they realised that they need to score two for us to mean anything. And, yeah, saw the game out with relative ease, really. I think this is reflecting a difference in opinion on what park the bus means. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because what I saw was a completely unambitious performance offensively. They were content to let the wooden spooners have a huge amount of possession. And I think I also see where that position is differently because it doesn't take much for a team that's cycling through the midfield to find a hole in your back line. It's one pass. So it's I see it as risky. And when I was watching it, I thought that we had moments where I was like, oh God, we're going to concede here. So maybe not parking the bus, but like parallel parking a Volkswagen on a hill, right? Like, wasn't fun. What was their, good ch- what was their best chance? Matt Miller's header off the set piece. No, the one at the end that hit the crossbar? That was offside. No, no, no. There was, there was one off the crossbar, but there's one uh, where he headed over. He got clean head on it but he he overran it and ended up knocking it over the bar that was in the first five minutes or something it was definitely the first first ish part of the first half again i I don't i agree that they weren't creating high quality chances i don't remember one i don't remember a single one um yeah they they definitely had the the miller ones and there was a couple of very nice shots but from significant distance uh, Noon had one towards the end, um, but yes, you're right. You are right. They they weren't able to get into our 18 yard box and shut. And separate question again, though, right? Like, no, they weren't creating high quality chances, but that's because they're the wooden spoon team, whose best attacking threats are injured. Hmm. Yeah, we gave point. them the rope that they needed to hang us with. Do do we think that that this tactic is going to be employed in Adelaide? And if it is, do we think it's going to be effective? Historically, <laughs> historically, we had, nothing's been particularly effective in Adelaide, has it? So, uh, I think in the situation we have to go if we think we're getting out of it. And you kind of think if we're going to get anything out of it, you have to go in with a hell of a lot of optimism. Um, so whether this tactic works or not, Adelaide are very transitional side. They concede lots of goals, score lots of goals. Um, and that's where we got picked apart from the last time. And I think 5-1 kind of overblew the, the scoreline. But getting caught with men forward on the on the counter is where they're going to kill us. This kind of approach kind of nullifies that, right? Well, do we even need men forward if it's only Zawada that's scoring? Just get him up there and everyone else can defend. <laughs> well, we didn't have him last time, did we? Quite. Well, no, that's the other thing is that that 5-1 lost to Adelaide. We didn't have Zawadi. He was off on um, uh, preparing for dad duty. So is that going to be enough of a... like? I mean, having an attacking threat at least gives them pause before they attack us. So they've got to at least mind him a little bit more than they would have... Um, who did we play? Van Hattam? In the 5-1 loss, obviously, Zawadi wasn't there. Uh, we played Barbarossa and Ball up front. The first game of the season... Uh, Sus was sent off, so again, I still we drew that one 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 with their late late goal, uh, but we probably should have won that game. Um, so Zavada's actually only played against them once, which was in the three one win that we had here, and he scored. So uh, he could actually make quite the difference in this game. Um, obviously, when you're in the kind of form that he has been in since about round seven, it's just any kind of influence he has on the game should be positive. Yeah, and I think I think the key thing here probably is that I doubt any of us believe we're going to keep a clean sheet against Adelaide. I, I think that's a really tough ask. So that means you've got to score two goals. So let, let's say Zavada plays well and gets his one. It, it does mean someone else has to step up and get at least a second, if not more, because I, I just don't see this game ending 1-0 to us. Like, I, I think we're going to concede, which means we need to score. So I think, well, it's, it's probably a good thing that we did, you know, we, we worked on that defensive performance, maybe got a bit of, um, a bit of confidence in our defensive performance against MacArthur. We also need to shore up at the other end. And I, I think MacArthur didn't really look like they offered a lot. We probably should have put away more than one goal. I think, I think that's probably where the angst comes from. I, I think to some extent we did, um, 
lack a little, little bit of ambition up front. But I, I don't realistically think we weren't trying to score a second goal there. I think we had opportunities and we probably should have scored more and we didn't. And so I think that's where I don't take a lot of confidence from what we saw against MacArthur or the previous, you know, four or five weeks that we're up to scoring two goals against Adelaide and, you know, minimizing the damage at the other end. The only thing in our favor is that Adelaide have been struggling too. That's the only thing in our favor, but they've got the home game, not us. And they've got Craig Goodwin. Yeah, well, that's uh, certainly something to be mindful of uh, defensively. Um, so as far as getting goals from this team, I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost calling Sass a bit of a wild card. Like he could merrily score a brace in yep. any given game, but he could also get sent off or just trip over the ball a dozen times. But how do, guys like um, Costa and David Ball, we know have been relatively consistent. I mean, not scoring a whole lot of goals, but creating chances and, and, and certainly providing. Obviously not so much for Costa in Wellington colours. How do we turn it around to get them netting it? I mean, I realise that, you know, we're at the wrong end of the season for that question. Yeah, I think that's the problem, right? If, if the answer was easy, Ufi and Chief would have figured it out by now. Um, I think there's there's something, and at a, at a certain point, maybe it's just the players having to step up for a final series, you know? Um, some of those guys, I mean, Costa, Costa would be a good example. He has a history in other colours of uh, stepping up for big games. And, and maybe he just needs to do that. Maybe he just needs to find that extra that extra whatever within himself. Because I, I don't think coaching or tactics or, you know, a good a good man-to-man talk from Chiefy's gonna going to solve it this late in the piece. Um, so with the, the options we're now seeing with the Knicks uh, getting rotated a little bit at that um, front end of the field with Cryov, um, who I thought actually played okay when he came on, um, and Costa swapping out. But also we've seen Lewis and Rufa and Ugarkovic swapping around a bit. Uh, how do we think that, that that midfield did with Rufa and Ugarkovic as opposed to any of the other combinations? Um, I think Lewis has been in the best form since he's come back from injury. Like I, I don't think we're seeing that that passing game that we saw earlier in the season. And whether that's him or, or just a kind of combination of the team struggling more than they did, you know, uh, two months ago. But it just feels like he hasn't quite been on his on his game. And I thought, you know, Yugopovic had probably one of his better games of the season, I think, in the weekend. He just seemed to be everywhere. Um, I thought, yeah. It, I, mean, I said previously, I think, on the day, I think, Lewis and Rufa are a better combination together. I think Lewis and Yugopovic are probably the worst combination together. Do you think that um, having a Rufa behind him playing that more consistent six role gives Garkovich a little more license and a little more protection. Yeah, I think so. I think he can be a bit more, um, maybe a bit more aggressive or, or press a, a bit more in the, in the, in the knowing that there's someone behind him to, to cover up if, if he gets turned or, you know, misses a tackle or something like that. So um, maybe that's part of it. Um, and, and Lewis can, you know, do a reasonable defensive job, but I just don't think he reads defensively. I just don't think he reads the, the game as well. You know, he doesn't he doesn't mind a tackle, but he just I just think perhaps his general positioning and reading of the game defensively is probably not as good as as is back there. So in this game against Adelaide, knowing that they're, they're very much a counter attacking team, do we see that more def- that you know will go that more defensive route? Do 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 you think that that's the right way to play it? I think it's the only way we can play it. Gen- genuinely, I just don't think we're going to have uh, the ball. I don't think we're going to have the territory. We're not going to. We're going to have to play them either long to force them to force them back, or with width, and uh, we're going to have to do it quickly in transitions. And, and therefore, we're going to have to play very soundly and resolutely defensive in defence. And I just, I don't see there being another way that Adelaide will let us play in this game. So if we're going to try and play that transition game, does that mean that we need someone like Lewis with his passing game in there? Um, I think your first course will be, or your first call will be, uh, who, who is going to make you most defensively sound? 
I think you need to answer that question first in this game. One-off games, right? So it doesn't matter what's been happening the rest of the season. This is a one-off game. What? How do you win this game? And I think we win this game by having a, a sound, resolute defence first with uh, a fast transition to play on the break. Uh, so we've, uh, we saw that Moragas came in for Sutton uh, against MacArthur. Um, Sutton's injured. Presumably, Cam, you're thinking that... If we're playing that defensive first mindset, it's Sutton starting if he's back. If he's back, I think he would start. Um, I would personally, I would choose Sutts over Moragas anyway. Um, so you know, not not really a question for mine. I think Sutton's just a better a better player. Moragas obviously delivers a good ball, but um, he's not got the all round ability that Sam Sutton does, and certainly not the same defensively. So yes, he he would be playing uh, without doubt if he's on, if he comes back. Um, with uh, pivoting to that attacking side, uh, Dave, how, how do you think um, Sass is doing? Have you got an opinion on his game over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I, I think my opinion of him hasn't changed in, in terms of, I think he's had some good games and he's had some bad games. Inconsistency is is the name of the game with him. But as you said before, he does bring that X factor. And, and when he has a, a moment of brilliance, it's, absolutely brilliant and it can create a goal out of nothing and so I think because of that he's worth having in the side um, and so I think you find particularly particularly in this game where you're going to need some goals you're going to need some moments of brilliance I think you find a place for him um, but do I expect him to have 90 minutes without a bad pass absolutely not do I think him to do some poor defensive work absolutely but it's worth the risk because you do need someone with that X factor on the field. Um, if we had, if we had, you know, another Oscar Zawada who was banging in 10 to 15 goals a season and a couple guys behind him who were setting up goals like Kryev was earlier in the season, I wouldn't be so worried about an X factor, but we don't have that, those guys. We've got one guy up front who's scoring, which means you need someone else to create something out of nothing. Well, I mean, as you point out, Sass was the one that set that that move in motion that uh, ended in Zawada's goal. Um, Borley unlucky not to get it past the keeper. Relatively good save, just not able to quite turn it around the corner. Zawada. It's the story of Borley's season, really, isn't it? I yeah. mean, honestly, he you look at the good positions he's been in, and to be honest, the good strikes he's had, and you know there should be a hell of a lot more of them that ended up in the back of the net, and they just unlucky. My memory of his goals. Uh, quite often a bit of a scuff or miss hit and when he does hit it cleanly someone someone gets hand to it or it goes yep. cannoning off the post um Zawada had a hell of a lot of time to finish this didn't he everyone went running past them and he got to take a touch look up pick his spot shoot and that's from in, nearly inside the six well certainly inside the penalty spot uh mm. it, he's not going to get any easier than that is he certainly not going to get that against Adelaide I mean, how many easy chances have we seen muffed this this season, though? Let alone Phoenix history. So, cheers! And in the game, he screwed the one up really, really late as well. So, yeah, yeah you're accurate. It, it's oh, good yeah. to see an easy one go in because hell, we we sometimes those are the ones we make an absolute mess of and score the the screamers instead. Yep, um, Cam. I presume you're talking about the one uh, where he was unmarked inside the six, and he just got a little bit blindsided and. Yeah, but basically, basically, any any touch, it's a goal. Any touch at all, any scores. And I guess that comes back to the uh, the Helena point earlier about his inability to get a brace, because um, you don't you don't get an easier second chance than that. Didn't didn't Kurto get a touch on that that cross across the goal? And I, that, I, but you're talking about the one right at the end, right? That's yeah. what Zavada would tell you, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure Kurto gets a touch on that. I, I think he just didn't see it because of the defender. It's very easy to miss. Like it's, it's very easy to miss those chances. You shouldn't if you're a professional footballer. But it's easy to get your feet wrong. I don't think it necessarily requires the keeper getting a touch. It literally is just getting your feet wrong. But again, it's probably a good way to get a brace. He just doesn't seem to like them. Yeah. Well, I'm yet to meet a striker that doesn't like more goals. But um, you know, I'm sure there's one out there. Well, he, he's going to score a hat trick on. This is what's going to happen now, right? Like I've just been like, oh, he can only score one goal, and he's going to score like four or something. It's it's, yeah. it's a hell of a feat to get your club's golden boot without scoring a brace at all in a season, where you're averaging more than a goal every two games. That's well, and, um, that's that's actually phenomenal. 
hasn't he? Hasn't he? I can't remember if it's equaled. I, I don't think he's overtaken, but he, he's either equaled or just behind the highest season tally for any Phoenix player. Uh, no, um, Roy Krishna got Drake Krishna got like 20, 19, 20. He got nineteen. Yeah, Brocky and got, he passed Brocky. Yeah, did he? I think, yeah. yeah, so Bro- I thought Brocky got Brocky's 14, one ahead. Yeah, yeah. Krishna did the that season. Like he had a couple of hat tricks at least, didn't he? He had one hat trick and three braces. And yeah. I think maybe missed about four penalties too. Yeah, well, so he did. He change. did. Plus yeah. So this probably makes Zawada, I would, I would say, far and away the player who scored in the most games in a Phoenix season. Oh, um, yes, definitely. Comfortably, which is in itself no mean feat for only having just arrived and doing that, right? So it's, um, yeah, it, it certainly puts him in the names of our best goal scorers and he should have had a hell of a lot more. I mean, based on this, if we were just talking season on season, I, I would be picking this as one of uh, our best stri- uh, seasons for any striker. I mean, uh, probably considering his general work rate and everything else, you know, for I'd put that season against anyone's. And, and that includes guys like McLaren, to be honest. As much as he's netted a few more, McLaren is very much the poacher who finishes off the end of Makes play. Makes penalties, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but he's got the the financial might of a, of a team that can just construct yeah. his perfect 11 for him, you know? Exactly, exactly. So Zawada's having to do a whole lot of heavy lifting that um, he seems to have done very, very well. Um, I guess that kind of just brings us on to the awards night, if I should segue without giving too many spoilers away about who won what. Um, should we crack on into uh, that now, um, short conversation about who won what. Yeah, you want to list the names? <laughs> It'd be a very short list, wouldn't it? Let, let's start from uh, the uh, young, the young players of the year, the under twenty threes. Um, for the on the women's side, it went to Millie Clegg, and uh, on the men's side, went to Callan Elliott. How do we feel about this? First of all, Millie Clegg as the under twenty three. Dale, I, I know you've got an opinion. You've got a smirk on your face. Right? I mean, I'll speak before he does, just just so that someone can. Um, and I think I think you look at it on the face of it, you see the winner, and you think, actually, yeah, she was fantastic. Had a great season. Seems yep. like a deserving winner. I don't on the face of it, I don't I don't see any issue with that. Um, seems good choice. She could get it for the next six years in a row. Exactly. Jesus. <laughs> wow. But Dale has thoughts, and I I agree with these thoughts. If Michaela Foster's getting the overall player of the year and she was under 20 at the point of which the cutoff, uh, she was 23 or under at the point of cutoff, uh, it's outrageous that she didn't win it. And Phoenix fans, you should be embarrassed that you did this. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the thing. Once you realise that Foster's eligible for this, she probably should have won it too, right? Well, I think that it's a compliment that Foster should actually just take because she just, you don't think of her as an under 23 player. You think of her as a senior player who just ran the team which you know we'll get on to because what I didn't realize is just how many goals Millie Cleek had scored and that should be like Foster was starting 11 from week one which is a scholarship player's great achievement again we'll come on to that but for Cleek she had that period of time where she was like a 16 year old finishing her exams at Mount Albert Grammar just getting used to training and then came in and immediately started scoring goals and looked like she was at home at the professional level and for someone who was like as under 23 as it gets I think that that really is the spirit of the award in some ways. Like, yeah, yep, yeah. And I, yeah. I don't think, I don't think Foster will be at all begrudging Malif taking this out. I mean, I think in reality, as you say, she probably by this point of the season feels like a senior player in that squad. And um, yeah, so I think on the face of it, deserving winner, and it all it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, Foster maybe on some level a little bit robbed, right? You know, could have could have clean swept the damn thing. Um, so on the men's side, that's uh, Callan Elliott. Cam, you've been quite quiet about this. I'll let you have first go at Callan Elliott. Pretty much been a consistent starter all season. I don't think he's um, anyone else but Tim Payne has had a go at right back at all, and uh, his performances have warranted being in the running. And yeah, I just I can't on and honestly, I can't think of another player who would even fit the bill to fit the under twenty threes player of the year. So came first out of one. Well, more came first out of there's there's just so few players in 
that obviously there are others in that age group who would qualify. Sam Sutton is another example, and uh, I mean, even Noah Karuna Ratna got on the field at one point, at one stage, but he really is the standout of all of those guys. We should uh, let's move on to the members player of the year. I assume that's the club members player of the year. Yes, yeah. Um, as uh, well, Dale is obviously. Dropped a little bit of a spoiler, but that's uh, that's gone to Michaela Foster and, strangely enough, Oscar Zavada. I'm, I'm going to say, mate, it might actually just be easier now if you just say the name and the awards that they've won. <laughs> yeah. Michaela okay. Foster, everything else. Every, yes. Michaela Foster, everything else. Oscar Zavada, almost everything else. Yeah. Uh, so what did he? Uh, what did Oscar Zavada miss out? Right. Uh, so Goal of the year. Right. Okay. So, yeah. men. Uh, sorry, men's player of the year is Zawada. Women's player of the year, Michaela Foster. Players' player of the year was Foster and Zawada. Uh, media players of the year, Foster and Zawada. Members. So that and um, Michaela Foster won the goal of the year for that free kick from distance, which noble, uh, very worthy winner. Uh, and Clayton Lewis's free kick that. Uh, also a very worthy winner. Um, let's go for the goals first, and then we can have a have a little uh, chat about Michaela Foster and Zawada in a little more depth. Um, Mickey Foster's free kick. I mean, I'm being a lefty. I'm a bit biased, but damn, that was out of nowhere. Sure, but we I think we all agree that the Grace Wisniewski one with the um, pulled hamstrings was the uh, was the actual best goal of the season. So that that as as a, as a podcast, that's where we went. So I'm mm. I'm still going to stick with that. I agree. However, what I would say is, and I've said it before, is that the 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 pure like the audacity of Michaela Foster, yeah. scholarship player, first professional season, still like twenty three year old, to just look at that that free kick position and be like, right this is going in the back of the net and then to basically just turn around and adjust the socks and walk back to halfway. Yep. That is a star. Yeah. That, that's a left fullback play from, from right out of the textbook. I think free kicks should be disqualified from goals of the year. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't get, they don't get as many goals in the, on the book, mate. No, this is just some hard goalkeeping, hard angst coming up. <laughs> just, I just want some hot take. <laughs> just in general, because I mean, it's not really the the game as such, right? You know, you're, the, the game. Yeah, they don't really count for the results, eh? Yeah, you're tr- well. I mean, you're trying to drag <laughs> drag players out of space. You know, like it's just a you get a set time to to do what you know, do what you want. Like, there's That's no pressure. The craft of it. Nah, yeah. free no, kick. Boring. Boring. No pressure. You've never skied a free kick. I mean, I think I think we can all agree it's definitely a different skill set, but I don't think you can exclude them. They're still goals. It still yeah. takes an incredible amount of skill. It's just a different skill. And I don't think that should belittle it at all. I mean, there's a reason that some people are fantastic at free kicks. It's like saying we should take corners out too because it's a set piece and it's a bit different. You know, I, I think that's just nonsense. Yeah, let's just carry on with that um so we'll we'll i guess we chat about the uh all the other awards uh we've kind of touched on michaela foster is that is that about as good as a start a debut season can be in the in the women's a league yes like she did her job and she did about three other people's jobs and she did them at the level if not often above the level of the league so yeah, yeah, and when we look at the sheer number of assists that she's got, her ability from uh, dead ball off both feet uh, created so many opportunities for this team, and that's not including the power of work she's got up and down that left wing, all game, every game. It was, I honestly, I can't, I, I agree, I can't think of a better way, unless she scored some more goals, but that's not even her role. So, um, you mentioned set piece. Does that actually count, Dale? No. Certainly not. <laughs> I love that you double down and just stand by it. It's like, nah, yeah, it's the hottest of takes. Of <laughs> it's not I think we're through those at some earlier podcasts and see just how hot this take actually is now. I mean, I look forward to Dale scoring a free kick at some point soon in Masters and, and claiming, and us all being like, didn't count, Dale. No, no. Oh, <laughs> not, not even a goal. That penalty spot, not a goal. If I come down and you, and you and you score a goal from a set piece, mate, and I get a photograph of it, I'm just going to delete it because you won't appreciate it. 
I'm not saying they don't they don't count. They just shouldn't be in the reckoning for best goal. It's completely different to what goals are. Uh, you know, I'm not what, saying what they the don't count. Is. I'm saying they shouldn't be counted for a particular award. <laughs> yes. So, so you're telling me that 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 set piece that Clayton Lewis scored, which was miles out, curling top bins, absolute perfection, isn't worthy of a goal of the gold of the uh, gold of the season award that he received. No. What would be better? Sasa's goal like three weeks ago. We, you know, knocked it around, pass it through some defenders. You know the. the Basically, the whole premise of the football game, you know. So free kicks, they just have to remove the defenders from the field. Do they? I'm, I'm well, they basically do. They just stand change. there. They just stand there. You got a free <laughs> some, shot. Some at of goal. our defenders do that during the game too. Yeah. This is a this is a former goalkeeper who has been done by free kicks way too often. I'm sure about that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Needs to uh, work on where he was placing those stationary defenders. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. I mean. I, I think essentially goal of the year is, is basically an award for highlight of the year. That's really what it is. You know, it's highlights, clips, and you vote for a particular highlight. I don't see any reason why free kicks wouldn't be in a highlight reel. They absolutely should. And it was a stunning moment, and it was a stunning finish. I'm going to bring it back to Mickey Foster after uh, throwing that chaos grenade in there. Um, uh, so oh, she- we, we need to hear Dale's goal of the year winner then. For he, the, just for said the he said the unsus one. Yeah, oh, sorry, for the, for the woman, woman. sorry. If, if Mickey Foster oh, didn't win it, who yeah. was it, Dale? I mean, we, we discussed this a few weeks ago, and I said it was Betsy Hassett's goal against um, Cameron. Which one? The, the, the no look, slide rule. Yeah, the yeah. no-look pass. Yeah, Yeah, stunned silence. Yeah, because you know it's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I just no, am losing no. the energy with this take. You know, sometimes the best thing to do with irrational takes is to not try to rationalise them. Yeah, don't engage with the – don't feed the trolls. And to be fair, we've all said we prefer a different goal to the one that won anyway, so it's fine. We can move on. And we shall. We'll uh, get on to talking about Oscar Zabata. We've discussed that no one was really expecting uh, that he was going to turn up and be a 15-goal striker, maybe maybe even more, uh, given that he's apparently getting a hat-trick this game. Um, When did did you all think that he was going to – he might be actually something – Something special. Well, I, I remember saying, I think in the in my pre-season uh, um, pods, suggesting that we might have a few few goal scorers of a, sort of eight or nine in a, in a season, and it's completely gone the other way. We've had one guy go crazy, cry of go crazy for, for a third of a season, and then do, no one do anything else. Yeah, but it's yeah. I don't know when it, when it was. It was probably about when he started scoring four or five in a in a row, wasn't it? I think that might have been the point where it looked like he started to turn the corner. And maybe at what point did he have that really bad game where he missed like a, a bunch of quite easy chances? Was that the one where he missed the penalty? I can't remember. It, it, it's yeah, drawing a blank. Um, but it, Dave, what about you? Did did you have a moment where you went, "Hang on, this guy can play"? Oh, I mean, I think I think even from the first game, it, it looked apparent that he could play. The the you know his physical attributes, his style, his effort levels were always there. the The question was always whether or not he was actually going to score goals. Um, and I mean, there I I think for me there wasn't one moment where I went, yes, he's going to score a bunch because as we know, he didn't he didn't score a brace. He didn't have a game where he just turned up and scored a hat trick, and you thought, okay, this guy can finish. Even the games where he's had a good game and and got a goal, he's probably had one bad miss too. Um, and I mean that that's true of lots of strikers. But I I think the thing about him is he's obviously scored a good number of goals, um, and that's fantastic. But is he a is he a top top striker? I don't know because if if you only had one chance in a game, I think it's still a coin toss whether or not he scores them. Uh, whereas you do have strikers who you know even with one chance he's going to get it. You know, Bessart Barisha, you only have to give him one chance and he's putting it in the net, right? It can, it can be the 95th minute and you finally get the ball into the box and he'll score it. Um, do I think Zawada's that guy? No. But in the A-League, you need guys like Zawada who are just going to consistently, you know, plot away, put in effort, be in the right positions and score a few. I think he's he's been a good signing for us for sure. But... 
do I think he's some kind of league-changing player like some of the strikers we've seen arrive and, and score a hat full in their first season? Probably not. Um, and we've seen you can take him out of games. You know, you put enough pressure on him, you put some guys on him, and you can just take him out of the game. Elena, uh, you're a bit of a gun up the field, uh, unlike the rest of us. Um, Cam excluded. I don't know if obviously. my coach would agree with that, but continue. I'm quite keen not to be mentioned as a gun, mate. I'm more than happy to accept my limitations as a really slow, fat, unfit motherfucker. Yeah, he was a free kick specialist, so it didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, uh, I've only, I hardly ever score free kicks so I'm what you would call a true striker <laughs> um, so uh, to, uh, you've, you've kind of mentioned that Tawada's not getting not getting two but yet he's done he's done very well he's obviously been the player of the year how, how does he get that two I mean what what is it is it just one of these things that you can't you can't teach a man to, to bang two in Look, to the extent that my remarks have been characterised as me criticising Zavada as a striker because he doesn't score braces and they have been mischaracterised, he's clearly good at what he does. He's clinical, he's got a great first touch, strong, blah, blah. As to a question of how do you teach a player who gets one relentlessly in games to get two, I don't know. And I, w- you know, I would say it's kind of a bit broader than Zavada. I think that the Phoenix in general have a problem with putting teams to the sword. So it's probably not an easy fix, like we've said about many things, right? And it's not necessarily a problem in itself. Again, I'm not saying he's not doing his job because he's not scoring braces. But maybe if the team had more of a relentless sort of, you know, like what Melbourne City did where they just turned it on and were like, right, we're putting three on them and it's happening now. If the Phoenix had the resource or the inclination to do that, then maybe Zavada would be doing it. I don't know. So but- is this is this the sort of thing where you go, this guy's done very, very well this season without a whole lot of support that we kind of make him the apex of next season, base a little more around him? I mean, it's complex, right? Because he's clearly had support because he's not the kind of player that dribbles through six people in slots, right? So he's not scoring goals that are single-handed. Which, yeah, is, think, for example, like a Krishna would sometimes yeah. do that, right? He'd just turn the pace on and do it himself. Whereas he's had good delivery into the box and like Ball is so industrious and every run that David Ball makes is extremely precise and it moves a defender like this. Clearly he's supported. It's just he has not been supported on the score sheet. Yeah. And my point is if the whole team were of that mindset of we're just going to put our foot on the throat now maybe he's scoring more often because there, I think there was a, there is an extent to which they get their one and they're content to defend it. And that is obviously going to affect how the striker plays. Um, so we've got um, uh, Zawada signed for another season. Um, do we, uh, obviously that's a good thing. I, I'm assuming in the background, the Phoenix probably in the mood to ask, ask for an extension. Would you guys expect that yes I don't see yeah. why you wouldn't and I think he's as happy here as he's probably been anywhere in his career right so he actually made a point of saying so in his speech last night that he's really happy that he's found a place where he can show the skills and abilities that he uh, that he's got um, and he obviously had some uh, issues with his playing career back in Poland so he's, he's happy in himself where he is now and obviously he's just had a just had a child and is really well settled in in wellington so it's um i would i would be looking at extending him for another two so you have another yeah. three years out of him and, and um, that certainly lets you build around it as well right because i think he's a he's a style and build and you know type of striker we haven't really had before um and i think if you if you lock him in for say another two years, you can then build what that, that second striker looks like or or the attacking mids that, that go around him. I think there's a particular attributes you look for when you've got a striker like him on board. I'd, I'd just like to qualify my statement by saying we've got a new manager coming in and we don't yet know how Ufi, uh, sorry, don't how, how Chief wishes to play the game. And Zawada may not be the guy that fits in with what he wants to do. So whilst I would, yes, love to extend him, Chief may have different ideas. Yeah, I, I think for the club, it's a no-brainer to try. Whether Zawada wants to is, is an entirely separate question, I think. 
um, yeah, he's come he's come here and done better than anywhere else. Uh, but lots of other players have and decided to take money elsewhere because money pays the bills. Um, yeah, I'm sure if he has another good season next year um, or at the start of the season, he might start thinking oh, I could get a you know a big payday somewhere else on the back of that. So yeah, it's all well and good saying yeah, let's let's sign him on. It's not as easy as that, and, and you know he might want to see what Chief is like as a coach, how he fits in. Um, I'd be silly not the club not to build the team around him and his his strengths because you don't. Want to, I mean, he's just scored 15 goals. We don't want to. Change, change that and you know finding another striker can be quite expensive Dale both you and Cam have mentioned that kind of second striker do we think that that's kind of something that would help him and help the team I, I think our problems this year have been not so wider it, it's been the support actors when you when you look elsewhere, you know Costa's got a couple Bulls got one I think both you know well Bulls definitely well down on last year him feeling feeling more isolated because the threats elsewhere haven't come about, and, and I think that means that that defenders can can focus their attention on Zawada because you know we haven't been playing as well, we haven't had the ball high up the field, we haven't looked dangerous through other means, and and so when you've only got one outlet, um, it's a much easier way to defend than if you've got two or three different dangerous positions coming from. So, um, I think it's more about getting back to what we were, you know, a couple of seasons ago where we, we controlled possession um, and had dangerous different avenues. You know, we had, you know, Davila, we had Piscopo, we had, you know, David Ball was firing. We had different ways to, to break teams down and this later half of the season we haven't had that. Let's move on to the uh, game that's coming up because it is the biggest game of the season. It is the playoff game versus Adelaide in Adelaide. Um I'm going to put you all on the spot for a quick answer for two questions. Uh, the first one is, what do you hope to see out of this game? Uh, Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot first. I mean, I hope to see a win. Nothing more. Just a I win. want a quick answer, bro. He's given you one. <laughs> it's very quick. I appreciate Literally, it. Literally, nothing else matters. It's finals football. Wins all that matters. Cam. A win. I wish to see a win. Just rocking it old school, making me look like my question's pointless. Elena, have you got anything that you want to see apart from a win? What am I supposed to say now that's not going to seem pretentious? <laughs> yeah, you've loaded it. You've, what I uh, want to see is flowing, attacking football, regardless <laughs> of the result. It's a final. Yeah. Because I want to see them win. Jesus Christ. Anyway, Dale, your turn. Yeah, I'd like to see a free kick goal. <laughs> to, well, you want to see it because it won't count. Free kick goals and oxymoron, Dale. Yeah, the referee will just wave it off. Um, Dale, I'm going to start with you. So, what do you think's going to happen, though? Oh, I mean, based on based on history, we're going to get dicked. <laughs> That's I a mean, <laughs> but I mean, in some ways, it's 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 a free hit, really. Like you know, this, we're going in with no expectations in a place we barely ever win against a team that smashed us last time. I don't expect anything, so some ways that that might help. You know, there's no no pressure on the side. Just yeah, rock up and see how it goes. And Bob sleds all round. Well, eventually one day we'll get a win over there. You know, it's been a while. I think we've had one one win over there in almost ten years. So maybe the, maybe the odds will come around in our favour. Putting Dale's opinion to one side, do we actually think that there's going to be anything different apart from a dicking? Cam, I know you're the optimist. I know you want to say something else. So basically, of all the teams that we could have faced, the three teams that we were likely to face, Adelaide is the one that I didn't want to get because I think we could come, we could great chance of beating Wanderers and great chance of beating um, Mariners. But as Dale said, we do Coopers is our graveyard. We we just don't play well there. We don't get points there, and for that reason, I think we're going to this time. <laughs> I love your optimism, Cameron. Yeah, but let's be honest. Nah, look, look honestly, it's um, head tells me we're going to lose 3-0, 3-1. Heart tells us we have a chance we're in the finals. We might be able to scrape a, a, a 2-1 as long as we play to the, our utmost ability. If we get through this round, the future rounds, I think, hold, we, we've got a great opportunity. But this one particular game, I think, is going to be a tough one for us. 
Helena, you look like you're trying to contain outright laughter, let alone a smirk. Um, you have other opinions. Come on. I think that I just think it's going to be terrible. <laughs> I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, I'll say so, I'll say something positive if you like. I I think I think if you're a neutral, so if you're not a not a Phoenix fan or an Adelaide fan, this is probably a good game to watch because I think either you see a bunch of goals scored by Adelaide and us put absolutely to the sword, it'll probably be really nice goals carving us open, or if we do get something out of this, it'll be absolute robbery and it'll be one of those really gritty games, you know, one all that goes to extra time and we nick it out of nowhere, right? I think. This is going to be good watching if you don't care about it. Um, however, for us, it's not going to be good watching because either we're going to watch uh, a lot of goals go into our own net and that's going to be tough to watch or we're going to be yeah absolutely tenterhooks the entire time and that's going to be rough because um, at any moment it'll feel like we're about to biff it and maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's the robbery of the century. It's the hope that kills you, right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I don't know. See, see, I have no hope for it. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that suggests that we're going to win. So why, why no. does anyone have hope? Like, we should stop this before Dale spirals. Let's pretend we get to the 80th minute, Dale, and it's still nil all. Do you do you think a little whisper of hope might creep in at that point? Because that, oh, maybe. you know, like that's when it's really gonna yeah. really hurt. Dale, I'm about to organize an intervention for you, man. That 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 you've given up all hope whatsoever. It's going to be the 90th minute and we'll get awarded a free kick and Dale's going to have to leave because he doesn't want to see it. <laughs> so, someone has hurt you today, mate. I'm, I'm sorry for whatever's happened that's put you in this, made you this way today because this is not the Dale I'm used to. On that note, uh, I hope you enjoy the game coming up against Adelaide. I hope we enjoy it and I hope we've got something nice to talk about next week. Uh, like, a, like a home semi-final on Mother's Day. Thanks for listening and goodbye.